We are live. All right. Uh, I have no idea um, if people are tuning in. That's okay. If they get here, love it. If they don't, still going to record this, baby. Mason, Pelicans basketball is back. The Pelicans are 2-0. They have not lost a game. I cannot imagine what it feels like to lose a game. Could not be me. Certainly could not be 0-2 like the Lakers. Man, what a disaster they are. Can you, can you believe that the Pelicans might be the first team in history to go undefeated and get the number one overall pick? Can you imagine? I I can't. I don't know. That's quite an opening. Um, fun fun game though. Not not perfect, but we're 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 growing. We're all growing together. Everyone's uh we're we're learning how to be good. I don't know. This is this is a new experience for us. I feel like every time, even in like the years that the Pelicans were good in the past, as few as they were, we um we it wasn't sure that we were going to be good. So we had to figure it out as we went along and now we're just all getting complacent immediately. So let's have some fun. Complacent is definitely a word for it because um, <laughs> all of a sudden, you know, us, us blogger folk are acting like they should be a lot better than, than two and oh, um, we have our opinions and, and we're upset about it. We'll get, get to that. Uh, but you know, just want to take some time to gush and, and a few compliments on, on how good they have been those first two games. There's been a litany of players who have stepped up to the plate. Um, just, you know, I, I have my thoughts on Look a at you with your, with, your ba- with your baseball metaphors. Look at you. Just like a, the baseball. playoffs are going Oh, on. my gosh. I, you know what? <laughs> you know what? Maybe it's a dinner metaphor, and they're just stepping up to, you know, they're, uh, they're eating. Everybody's eating. They're at the plate. <laughs> All right, let's go with it. Everybody's <laughs> eating. Um yeah, dude, uh, just, you know, I want to turn it over to you, see if there's any particular players or things that you want to compliment and, and talk about, because there is, uh, I have one particular player in mind that that I think deserves a heap of praise, but just want to get your thoughts first. I mean, it's it's hard not to uh, shout out Brent Ingram for the first two games he's had in general. And just, I mean, he's, he's taken over. I mean, as far as consistency goes, obviously the Pelicans have had a couple of great games, but the what Brandon Ingram's shown offensively, the versatility. I mean, he had a few turnovers tonight, but that's about as far that that's that's as far as the criticisms can go. Is is he's he's scoring, he's getting other guys involved, he's being a facilitator. Like I, I don't know, I, I really can't say enough good things about the way Brandon Ingram started and really driving the success of this Pelicans team. Oh my gosh, he has he's playing at all NBA level. I mean, yeah, for sure. Pelicans are winning. He's performing like this. He should no doubt be an all-star. He should no doubt be an all-NBA player. I mean, this is wonderful. I think having Zion back, the biggest thing right now, Zion is contributing. I mean, obviously he contributes a lot, but the biggest thing he's, he's contributing is making the game easier for everybody else. Brandon Ingram is getting incredibly easy looks in a way that he has probably not seen uh, since he stepped into the league. And this is creating a situation where the Pelicans, at when they're playing their starters together, they have four players capable of going off and owning you individually, one-on-one at any given time, that require multiple defenders to, to slow down. And if that's happening, someone's going to shake free. And multiple someones are going to shake free because, you know, Coaches are going to be in a rush to put out a fire here, and then another one pops up over there. And Brandon Ingram, let me tell you, like this guy is—he's ascending to an, yet another level, uh, and it's—it's it's, it's amazing to see. 
very, very and, side. And, and they all score in different ways, too. So I'm going to assume that the person you're ruling out there is Herb Jones. I'm just going to go out on a limb and assume that the, the offensive juggernaut of Herb Jones is not the, not the person who's going to draw double teams all day. But, I mean, just the, I think it's really about – and that's that's kind of what has made the Pelicans so exciting going into the season is how dynamic and versatile their offense is. Like all, of the, all four guys score in different ways, and you can't throw – the same defender cannot possibly stop like even three of those guys. And so I think that's, what's really fun is that, I mean, even if you, even if defensively you you feel like you, you're a versatile defense, I don't really think that you're going to be able to, the Pelicans can create a mismatch. I think that's really the big, the big thing is that they can create a mismatch and they can go at you and it's going to be, I mean, obviously, so the, the Nets are whatever the heck the Nets are. Um, the Hornets are not a great basketball team. So the Pelicans are going to have some tougher opponents, but so far, I mean, uh, there's the sky's the limit for this team. Well, the thing about the Hornets is like, and, and, and the Nets, like these are teams that are capable of being offensively talented, you know, every single night. Uh, just they have with, with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on the Nets and the Hornets, they don't have any individual players to star, but they have a lot of shooting and a lot of people who can, can get up threes in a hurry. They're, you yep. know, they put up what, 135, seven, whatever against the Spurs. They put up a ton of points on, on the Spurs, which, we're soon finding out is apparently not that big of an accomplishment <laughs> given that the Indiana Pacers has, uh, you know, they scored 49 points in the fourth quarter there <laughs> in tonight's game. But, um, you know, these, these aren't, I would say, easy teams to go against, especially in the early portion of the season, right? It's a different story if this is happening in the doldrums of February or, and, and teams are about to head into all-star break. Uh, but, you know, game two, everyone's fired up. Everyone's fresh. Everyone's had a good summer. And I think the way the Pelicans have handled themselves and performed has been been awesome. Just the talent that's been on display is uh, unbelievable. Um, the guy that I wanted to shout out and, and compliment and heap praise on is Jonas Malanchunas. That I cannot guy, believe you went there. Like, the stat sheet did not suggest you might go there. Like, that, like he had a good game? I can't tell. Yeah, 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 you know, a casual 30-17-4 game where you just dominate. 30 points on 11 shots. 14 <laughs> 11 shots. Throws, 14 free throws, and you made 13 of them, which is amazing for, for anybody. Um, second on the team in assists, too, by the way. <laughs> exactly. Dude's like, yeah, you know what? I am the best player on this team. <laughs> heard a lot about the Zion guy, Ingram guy, but it's me. Welcome. Um but yeah, that stretch that you know where I think it was the third quarter where he was just absolutely owning uh, Nick Richards and just going bananas in the post, either drawing a foul or or getting a bucket, you know, every every time down the court. It was wonderful to see, to say the least. And uh, I am very glad he's on the team, and very glad this is a compliment that Zion has uh, while he's working through his finishing issues because. There's nobody else I would want grabbing the offensive glass and and scoring because you know Adams would have grabbed the offensive glass he wouldn't have went back up with it so so JV JV's gonna get some a lot of points a lot of good points while uh, the Pelicans are attacking the paint so yeah very happy for the big fella yeah I, I mean it's almost unfair to Zion or not Zion tonight but they're 
because of how well the Pelicans, this is such a weird thing to, to, to see for the Pelicans, for people who have rooted for this team for years, but because AD certainly, you know, didn't do much to draw contact. So um, now, now now we've got three guys between ben, Brandon Ingram, Jonas Valanciunas, and Zion Williamson, who, are, who just are happy to go draw fouls and draw contact. And so it's almost like not everyone's going to get those calls on the same night. And so the refereeing is going to, you know, inherently be a disadvantage to somebody. And tonight it was Zion. Um, I, I feel like, the, I mean, this this team, just the way they attack the rim relentlessly, they're going to draw fouls, which also means they're going to draw contact that doesn't get called. And I feel like, you know, Willie, you saw Willie Green upset about it tonight. Like there's a, there's going to be, we just got to work. I mean, you talk, you and I talked about this before the season even started, that they're, they're going to have to work through frustration. Um, and like, like, you know, Zion certainly had trouble finishing tonight, but also I feel like he, you know, he could have had more trips to the line than he did. And so um, it is what it is. Every game is going to be a different challenge for somebody. But, um, but you know, we'll, you know, I, I expect him to bounce back in a big way. Yeah, anytime he only takes four free throw attempts, but he's taken 19 overall shots. <laughs> I, I think he's off there. Say, yeah. He probably should have gone to the line more. Um, yeah. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not worried about, about his um, conversion rate at the moment. He, I think we touched on it on a different on a different podcast. He started the the Stan Van Gundy year off similarly. I think it was the second game where he had a. I think he went like six for twenty one or seven for twenty one. Um, some it was, and I think it was against the Spurs, but it could have been. I, I forget. I forget who it was against, but either way, very ugly game. Another like really low percentage game, and people were like, "Ooh, what's up with Zion?" It's like, give him time, dude. He'll he'll be he'll be there, and and it's gonna be really scary when he is there because that easily could have been, you know, uh, on a regular Zion night, if he's taking 19 shots, right. That easily, easily could have been like a, what a 10 for, for 19 night. And that's, that's, that's only three more buckets and that's, that's low for Zion, right? So three more buckets that puts you at six more points, gives him 22 points for the night and puts the Pelicans at 130, right? What if that was a, a 12, for 19 night. What if that was a 14 for 19 night that we, we know that Zion was capable of doing? All of a sudden, these 124 point games are turning into 135, 140. And and what is the team going to do about that? Like, I don't care how bad the Pelicans defense would be, which, by the way, the Pelicans defense is very good. Um, yeah. There's been stretches. We'll talk about that in a sec. Pelicans defense has been good. But, you know, you'd have to have like one of the world's worst defenses to not win a game if you scored like 140. Um, kind of saw it with the Spurs tonight. Again, going back to the Spurs, they the, the final score of that game was 137 to 134. They still won that game, uh, even though they gave up 49 points in the fourth quarter. Because <laughs> they scored 137 points. Like that's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm not I'm not concerned about Zion. No. Any any I'm... anybody else that you're you're looking at and surprised at, um, impressed with, disappointed with, whatever. You know, let's stay away from the disappointment part. Just let's keep it positive. Um, I, I, no one jumps off the page as someone who just kind of blew me away, um, or, or just kind of was, was way above expectations. I mean, I, I feel like CJ had a nice bounce back after he had to leave the game early with foul trouble. And he was, um, I, I feel like he was a little ISO heavy tonight, but, um, he, you know, he, he got buckets and, and I feel like he got a few big buckets when this team needed it. And so, um, I, I, I enjoyed uh, CJ's night tonight. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know. Anyone else who you want to you take into? 
Yeah, I mean, I think CJ's been steady both games. Uh, mm-hmm. It was an efficient. It was an efficient night for him overall. Even though, again, his three point shooting, uh, the both the volume and the percentage isn't as 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 sharp as you know he's capable of being. But he shot fifty three percent from the field, twenty one points and seventeen shots. He had a true shooting of sixty like sixty point eight. I mean, that's giving you giving me twenty one points yeah. tonight on that kind of efficiency. Um, and it, yeah. it basically what that allows you to do is like never have a scoring draft right because the starters when they're all on the uh, on the court together then they're they're gonna score right and then you start getting those staggered units well jv's cooking boom no scoring drop brandon's cooking no scoring drop okay they they had their the way their rotations are working they're basically attaching cj and zion um together and so if zion's not cooking but cj is that's great like you're not gonna have you're not gonna go those four or five six minutes of like without being able to convert, which is something that happened very frequently last year uh, prior to the CJ McCollum trade. Can, can you imagine? So this Hornets team coming off a huge win in terms of scoring margin against the San Antonio Spurs, who are just going to be, you know, trying actively to be a bottom three team and then just matching up the next game with this, this Pelican starting lineup. It's just, I, I mean, Look, I know there are bigger title contenders uh, at, at the moment in New Orleans, but as far as just what they put on the floor, Who? they're starting to offensively. Name one. Who? Name name one. Um, uh, Milwaukee, let's start there. <laughs> this is an amazing question because I wanted to comment on this. I have noticed this. I noticed this in the preseason. There has not been one lob to Zion Williamson. Is, do people not know how to pass in this team? Maybe they've never passed to a tall, tall flying big man before. I don't know. But this is an issue. Bring back Lonzo Ball. Give him $25 million a year. We need those alley-oops. Those full-court alley-oops, we need them back. Make it happen. I think we can – all right, let's just go get Kevin Love then instead. Kevin Love can throw those. Three-quarter court, probably. I like Kevin Love. (laughs) You know what we really need? You know who I think would throw those? Dyson Daniels. I think we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, I mean, I think this is this is a, this is a, a. I think this is a fair point. I don't think it's necessarily going to um, hold back the team, but it is another dimension that I think makes the team better. Um, uh, if you have dribble penetration, there's going to be plenty of opportunities to throw Zion on the lob, uh, and and right here, Jack is is right. Um, players have missed these opportunities they had one earlier and i don't expect Jonas to throw this right but they had one uh in the nets game where Jonas got in the short roll and zion was in a dunker spot and he just kind of like threw it wasn't a real lob he just kind of like threw an over the top pass to him and zion got stripped on his way up for a dunk whereas if he had just put it in the air that would have been easy dunk um We'll see. You know, give them time. They've never played together before. Give them time. Maybe hopefully, hopefully this team starts swagging out uh, pretty soon uh, with that regard. Um, but yeah, two and zero, two and zero, and and both you know wins have been with double digit margins. And you know, if you get a twelve point win, it's great. You'll you'll take it, even though the score got um, concerningly close at times. It did. It did. Um, yeah, it was like it was cut to two in the fourth quarter. I mean, like halfway through, right? It was very close. I feel. I feel like. The, I feel like the 
So like I was just kind of scrolling on my phone, like I wasn't I wasn't acutely aware of just like the overall sentiments from from uh, Pelicans fan base tonight. But I feel like like even in like the end of the first quarter, early second quarter, folks had just kind of chalked this up to a win. And the second I saw, like I, I don't know, like I, I I got a little uncomfortable seeing Billy out there. I got I just I feel like. I feel like this Pelicans team can't take a damn thing for granted. You know, like the apps, like I don't, I don't mind longer rotations, nine, 10 minute rotations, but like, I feel like the pieces have to fit together when you do that. And I wasn't, I didn't really feel that way tonight for a lot of the bench lineups. Um, And and so I don't know. I just, I, I don't, I don't want to, throw any lineups out there that have like a ton of weaknesses when you have a team that's so deep and so versatile that you don't have to have those weaknesses like kind of pop up. So I don't know. Um, like the, the 12 point win is great. Um, they could have won by more. And I think that shouldn't be lost on anybody. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, I, I've already uh, sort of expressed some of my opinions on Twitter and, and the thing I feel like should not need to be stated, but I have to state is like, I am not upset that they won. I am very happy that they won. I'm excited. We've spent the first 17 minutes talking about how awesome it is that they're winning. I mean, that is awesome. Um, but, like, I'm not going to be someone who is going to be like, oh, they won. That's great. And just only talk about, like, that stuff and, and just yeah. pump that sunshine or whatever. And yeah. and I if I have an opinion, I'm going to say it. And I, those opinions may very well be wrong. I Everyone knows I've been very wrong on things before. But in my opinion, uh, I'm with you on on some of those lineups. So let's let's talk about it, right? One of the the biggest culprits, in my opinion, um, early on, and and they've gone to this two man combo more frequently than I like. But this three man combo happened this game for the first time. It was the the Devontae Graham, CJ McCollum, and uh, Billy Hernan Gomez uh, trio, and they put that trio out with Zion Williamson and Trey Murphy. <laughs> Let's talk about this, right? <laughs> so you have four negative defenders, maybe five. Maybe five in that five, right? Like, I, I think Trey's not a negative defender. Uh, I was going to say, did we just talk about this last podcast? Like, all right, let's hear it. Maybe. Hear it. <laughs> maybe five. Okay. Two, let's say, in theory, it's like, oh, I've got a lot of these shooters around Zion. Yeah, you do. And then you have Billy Hernan Gomez who just eats that space for no reason. He doesn't give you the creation. He's just in the way. And and, and he's not going to give you anything on the defensive end. And so, so, like, why are you putting someone there that's going to occupy space that Zion's about to go eat? So And beyond so, that, like, yeah, they've got – you've got these uh, – you've got good spacers, but you also – like, these players, like, at least, like, some of the Pelicans – you've seen it before. The Pelicans are playing – punching above their weight class on the defensive end because they have size and length and versatility. That lineup – has no defense and none of that versatility defensively. They can't switch and, and, and stop anybody. <laughs> you are built. I tweeted this. You are built to never have to play two, six, three people ever. <laughs> Devontae Graham and CJ McCollum have now shared the court. They have shared the court for 19 minutes or 18, sorry, 18 minutes. They have a net rating of negative 11.0 in those minutes right well, like, i want to hold on let me let me let me pull up the traditional ahead, stat here uh no no, no you, you comment i'm i'm, I'm, I'm well no I'll, I'll say like there's also jose alvarado who's who's six foot tall even but he's actually a good defender so like yeah but like why would you still put two of those guys i don't, I don't why, why would you do I, that? 
Yeah, the only the, the 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 sole defense I have is in the first half. You had CJ in foul trouble like that. He he came out pretty. He had, I think four minutes into the to the game he came out, and so that forced some awkward. I mean, I would have left him in because CJ's not exactly a foul prone guy. Let him play, and and with your with the depth the team has, fine. Um, but but I think that did skew lineups in the first half a little bit. But but yeah, other than that, I mean, I'm I'm with you. We talked about this last season. So so that's the other thing. It's like all right, CJ picked up two early fouls first, like four minutes of the game, and you're benching him. He finished the game with how many fouls? How many fouls, Mason? Three well, fouls. Now. Three. He finished the game <laughs> with three fouls. So you just fouled yeah. out your own player for no reason who's only fouled out of a game once in his whole career. Someone tweeted this at me. So you'll have to check back, check the person who tweeted me this this stat. But that's believable to me. Okay, cool. Like <laughs> what? I mean, look, I I think I think when it comes to coaches and coaching staffs, the biggest thing, the most important thing for a coach and coaching staff is to be able to rally the troops, to be able to connect with the players, and to be able to have everyone pulling on the same rope in the same direction, working towards a common goal. I will take that coach 10 out of 10 times over the best X's and O's coach, over the best tactician, right? Every single time. Willie Green is one of perhaps the most elite human beings at connecting with others and clearly connecting with his players and getting them to pull together on the same rope. Almost elite. to a fault sometimes. Almost yes. to a fault sometimes. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think there's very few coaches in the league, if there are any, like him. Yep. I think his substitution patterns and in-game decisions leave a lot to be desired, which I say not as a criticism. I say is an amazing point of improvement. Because you know what you can't do? You can't teach someone to be the elite human being Willie Green is. You can't do that. What you can do is have Willie Green grow into his role, grow into, uh, grow with his staff, and learn over the course of a season, over the course of multiple seasons, those small things that separate the elite tacticians from all the other coaches. So one thing is not fouling out your own players, giving them – a little bit more uh, of, a, of a, I guess, flexibility to to, yep. to go play around there. Um, the second thing is, anytime you have situations at the end of quarters or end of halves where there's a stoppage and you're allowed to make a substitution and you're about to go get on offense, go put your best three-point shooters out there. Go put your best offensive players out there. Like, why not? There's like 20 seconds left of play. Or 40 seconds, there was, there was one specifically I had in mind at the end of the, the the half, I believe. And Najee Marshall was out there because he had subbed Herb off, so he doesn't pick up his fourth foul, which I think that's fine. I think that is the smart game management is, like, the last 30 seconds, you don't want someone to pick up a cheap foul. So if someone has three fouls, sure, sub them off. But you put Najee Marshall out there, and you're about to go on offense. Why would you not have Trey out there? CJ ended up like making a, a two for one shot at some point like, in one of those like situations. Anyway, it's like and the result was fine, but the, the process was bad. The process is, hey, you're going to have situations where you need that shooter and Trey might just like fly open. He might be the one guy that's not covered. He can give you other things too. So like that's, that's, that's like change you're leaving on the table, which I think yeah. adds up over time and can, can frankly win games, you know, like if, if the possession margins are not that narrow. The other thing was, um, 
he had outside of those Devontae and CJ lineups that are just not good. Um, his his other lineups featured four players who like could not do anything on offense, and then Zion. And you're like, or and, and sometimes I guess CJ was part of those lineups, but again, you just you're just taking the strengths of this team and tossing them out the window and to, to a point where it's like, hey, like you're trying to lean in on defense and, and, and generate these stops. But what's actually happening is you're putting out such poor offensive units is that they're turning the ball over or they're just not converting on offense. And the Pelicans are constantly playing transition defense instead of half court defense. And, and, and it's their offense that hurts their defense, not the individual talent, in my opinion, of, of those defensive players, which, which in some of those lineups is a problem as well. Cause we've already talked about that with Billy Hernan Gomez and, and, and some of the other stuff. So, they, they had that and that that unit to start the, the fourth, which let me make sure I have this right. Uh, they started the fourth. Oh, boy. Here we go. Yeah. So it was Trey Murphy, C.J. McCollum. That's a good start. Zion Williamson. Um, Nance and Graham, which, okay. Like you, you're going anytime you're playing McCollum and Graham together, you shouldn't play Nance as well because you're already too small. You're just killing your strengths, which is to be bigger than the other team. <laughs> it's just to rebound the hell out of the ball. Um, I think if you want to play Nance at center, then you should play more of the wings. Um, and then uh, after after that lineup uh, couldn't do much. Um, they subbed in, you know, the, some of the starters they brought in Najee, and this is this is where I took contention because they 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 subbed Zion out at eight eighteen, and they didn't bring him back till two fifty five was left to play, and they had extended the lead enough for I guess Willie felt comfortable bringing him back in, but there was over five minutes of play where Zion did not play. I think that's way too long of a time for him to be sitting in a fourth quarter in a game that he only finishes. Uh, playing 30 minutes in a game that only he had how many fouls did he have two sorry uh zero fouls jesus christ (laughs) game that he had zero fouls um so like hey either be transparent with us and let us know there's a conditioning uh thing a minutes limit an injury related thing or or just play your best players when the game matters like, there shouldn't be a five-minute – I understand taking Zion off, giving him a breather, right? He just played – from the start of the fourth quarter, he played four straight minutes, right? Four and a half straight minutes. Uh, no, not even. It was less than four minutes because he got subbed out at 8-18. It was less than four minutes. Yeah. So he I played – Yeah. I doubt it was like a minutes thing because – so he played exa- almost exactly 30 minutes against Brooklyn, and that doesn't include the last three, four minutes because they waxed the floor with the Nets and and they right. they like they had they had the scrubs in at the end of the game. So – I, I doubt that's what's going on here. So I don't yeah, know. So, I mean, so, so so the thing is, he played three minutes and 40, uh, 40 seconds, 42 seconds, and then they subbed him off. And then he sat for over five minutes, and then they brought him back. I think in that situation, sitting him for two to three minutes, yeah, great. Get in that breather. Get him past that media timeout. That happens around the six-minute mark or past the six-minute mark. You've built in more rest by doing that. And then those last five and a half, six minutes, let him play. Why? Why should we let him play, Mason? Why should we? 
Yeah, over Najee Marshall. <laughs> I don't exactly know what you're going for here, um, besides just raw talent. But um, I don't know. I, I'm not. Um, I'm not as incensed, I guess, about that decision. Incense like I think is a we're strong word. I I'm I'm just disappointed. I understand. Um, I don't know. I, I, it, it's weird because I look at like, I look at how many, like how many minutes each guy played tonight and like beyond the Billy minutes being like strange to me. Um, I'm not, I'm not like that upset about anything in a, like by itself. So I don't know. Um, it's like, yeah. So Hernan Gomez played six minutes and I would not have done that. Um, like I, I appreciate like the, it seems like there are some, some big Billy Hernan Gomez fans in the fan base. And I, I like him a lot, but I feel like he's an injury. Like if, if we give Jonas the night off, like start Billy, play him 15, 20 minutes. I have no issues with that. I don't really see why he had to play tonight. Like I don't I, I, like this game. I was not like a lock. Any road game in the NBA is a you is a hard game. You've got to play to win it. Like I, but as far as the Zion minutes go, like yeah, could he come back a minute or two earlier? Sure. Um, I, I guess I'm just more kind of looking at the the, the rotations because I think I, I think one thing I really agree with what you said is about like why are we putting one of the Pelicans top four scorers out there by himself. I don't understand it. Like this happened to Brendan Ingram two nights ago. It happened. BI had played in the lineup where there was CJ was not out there. Jonas was not out there. And Zion was not well, out they're there. Putting, they're and putting BI and Herb out there together, which is great in theory. And because those two do work well together, but he's in his mind, he's like, I got two starters out there. And it's, he's not thinking that I got a starter and a guy that's taking zero shots out there. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like I, I want two creators on the floor at, at all times. Like that, and I, I view Jonas as a creator because he can create his own shot. And so, even if he's not creating for others, like he's someone who you can dump the ball off to and let him go to work. And especially if you have a couple shooters, like uh, you know, kind of surrounding him. And so, I, I, I don't see any reason apart from like brutal foul trouble or like the Pelicans have locked iced the game already. Why you can't? You need to have just one one guy out there like that. And so. I, I think to your point that happened to Zion a little bit and then Zion didn't play for certain points where probably he should have. And so it's um, yeah, a little bit, of, a little questioning for me too, but maybe for a little different reasons. Okay. So I'm going to bring it back to Zion stuff. Here's a comment. It says it's yep. a message to Zion. You must play defense to be on the floor in late games. I think this is hundred percent wrong. One, this is not how Willie green operates, right? We've already talked about how he's an elite human being. He's very good at communicating messages. He doesn't operate in this fashion, Right. Because what was the message with playing fucking Garrett Temple all year long, right? You got to play defense? No, that's not the message. That's not how he operates. I think people need to get beyond this. Two, um, what I think is way more important is is there's, in my opinion, growing statistical evidence that the Pelican starting unit is absolutely dominant on both ends. Not, not just offensively. But on both ends. So there's growing statistical, statistical evidence. Maybe it's noise, right? Maybe it turns out to be a fluke. But for now, and in this game in particular, because if we do want to be results-based in our decision-making and not process-based, mm -hmm. in this game, they were dominant. Every time those five were on the court together, 
the lean balloon, the lead balloon, and and they would just absolutely roughhouse the Celtics or the Hornets, not the Celtics. I wish they'd roughhouse the Celtics. Um, the Hornets, right? So so when those five were on together, it's like okay, cool. Willie Green, I understand you were getting stressed out um, when that bad bench unit that you put in with Devontae Graham uh, basically coughed up the whole lead, and so you brought in essentially the whole starters. First of all, it was still Devontae Graham and Najee Marshall, and then Brandon Ingram uh, and Jonas Valanciunas and Herb, Herb Jones. So you have three starters out there, and then two guys who, I, in my opinion, should be excised from the rotation entirely, entirely. You could have had um, Jose out there, and you could have had Trey out there if you, you were trying to get CJ and Zion Rice. Because remember, those two are a pair when it comes to the substitutions. He subs them off together. Um, not enough so, minutes for Jose. That's for sure. Yeah, there's not enough minutes for Jose. So, you know, we talked about how Zion subbed in at the 255 mark. Um, CJ subbed in uh, for Graham at the 629 mark. So they subbed out around the same time, Zion and CJ. But CJ comes back in at the 629 mark, right at that media timeout that I'm talking about, that that I say, you know, that's when you should be subbing Zion back in, right? So CJ came in at that time, and the Pelicans were able to – extend the lead and they had Najee Marshall on the court great now that you've extended the lead a little bit get your best fucking player out there <laughs> multiple reasons multiple reasons one the the five-man unit that the Pelicans had and their three best players have never played crunch time minutes together never you need to figure out that offensive hierarchy you need as many real live reps it's not something you can simulate in yep. practice you need that Yep. Najee Marshall probably not going to be on the team next year, right? Like he may not be on the team past the deadline. We don't know. Either way, if you're going to be a championship level team, if you're going to be a deep playoff level team, your best players have to be on the floor at crunch time. And if they can't be, then you're never going to reach those levels. You just aren't. That's that's just the fact of 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 how the NBA works. Um, the second thing, uh, that's a great question. I love this comment right here. I'm going to leave this up here, <laughs> Matt. Um, uh the the second thing here is is uh in situations where your team has the lead i think one of the biggest mistakes coaches make is to start playing prevent offense and and start focusing on defense and slowing the other team down what you need to do is make sure your offense is at a steady pace and so you're continuing to score buckets again i'm not saying that he made the wrong decision in 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 giving zion that rest but those extra two minutes, which, again, in the grand scheme of things, I am picking at the smallest of nits, right? I'm picking at the smallest of nits, but the nit is there. I'm going to pick at it. And in, in the grand scheme of things, those two minutes are, are two minutes that they could have used to try out their crunch time offensive sets. And then they did this weird thing at the end where uh, they were doing offense-defense subs for JV, and, and the defense was, which going back to Mr. Showing uh, Zion, you must play defense to be on the floor late games. Sir, sir, they went with Zion at the five on defense, not offense. Zion at the five on defense. They would sub JV out, and then there would be a foul on the other end. They'd sub JV back in. You understand this? Like, Look, and I, one thing to call out is you know, we've talked about the fact that the Pelicans need to get their crunch, their 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 team, their their main five reps together in crunch time. And I, I think it's important to stress that 
you know, yes, we're, we're splitting hairs about having it th those couple of minutes and having more time today. But after Utah, the schedule is Dallas, Phoenix, Clippers, then whatever, Lakers, and then the Warriors. So like four of those next five games, but like after the Jazz, there's four games, then whatever the hell the Lakers throwing out there. But like all those other games, those are games against really good teams. And those games very well could come down to the wire. And so you want you, you just you just want that your your guys getting reps in those high leverage situations. And so I I, I do think it's it's more meaningful than maybe like you like folks may think we're blowing this out of portion because it's game two and we're two and zero oh and everything's great. Like things are really good, but we've got to get these guys reps and get in, in situations that matter if this team wants to pl to be play at the level that we all think they're capable. Yeah, look, like this win is great. I'm not going to be upset about it. But like you tell me if you gave me a scenario where you're like, OK, you lost this game. But in, in April, you were uh, an elite crunch time team. I would take the, the April scenario because I'm not worried about them making the playoffs. I think they're going to make it. <laughs> I said they're going to be the third seed. So third I think seed, the wins yeah. are going to be there. Um, anyways, but, but going back to Zion at the five stuff, look, I think that's a good decision. But they need to commit to it for a couple of reasons. Um, well, you know, the, I, I am absolutely 100% okay leaving JV on offense. Um, I don't have any complaints with that. But Zion at the five is a good decision when you are up in games for two reasons. Reason number one, when you play small and you can switch those things, you can really limit threes. So when you're up eight, nine, ten at the end of games, the, the way teams come back these days is they start launching threes and it's an avalanche of them, right? And, and you start playing two is greater than three, and, and that's how teams come back. So a team like Charlotte, which which can get hot in a hurry, you want to limit their threes, and that's exactly what they did on the defensive end. Um, Gordon Hayward got some twos. I think Terry Rozier, oh, he got hurt, I think. Uh, but a couple of people got some twos, got some fouls. Either way, they were scoring two points. Not really concerned about that because from the other end, you're also scoring at will. So Zion at the five also allows you to score at will on the other end. If, if that's what you commit to, it just so happened that Jonas was so utterly dominant that you don't need to do that for the offensive aspect of things. But I'm a big fan of what they did. I did think they get, they got that decision right um, at the end of games where they went small to limit opposing threes. That's, that's huge. That's important. And I salute that. And that shows that they are capable and they, they, they do know how to make these small in-game adjustments that will benefit them in the long run. And that's why I said earlier, I don't have a critique for, for, for Willie Green. It's as so much as I'm happy that there's great room for improvement on, on his, on his possession to possession management. I think there is. And I think that's not something he would have done last year. Um, and I'm glad it wasn't, they didn't put Larry out there. I think Larry played, played pretty solid. Um, but I think we're, we're seeing early why my take of you should play Jonas or Trey in those minutes is, is more apt. <laughs> You didn't do poorly, but as you get better, you just need to do things differently, right? That's, that's, that's look, man, look, look, I, I have great confidence in Willie Green. I think he's yeah. going to, uh, like I said, it's already an elite human being, and I think that tactician part's going to get there. And yeah. and those are small things. If I can see it, surely his staff will see, can see it. Um, I'm certainly not a um, – you know, an expert in, in these type of things. And I'm sure that's something that they will like look in film and be like, Oh, maybe that's something we could do differently. Whether they choose to do something differently or not, maybe they're like, Oh, let's give it, you know, 10 more games before we decide to do something differently up to them. But yeah. yeah. I will, I will say though, that one of the nice things that even you know, closer Jonas gives you is I, I just think about the number of times 
I've seen, and not just with with the Pelicans, but just seeing uh, teams make a run to get back in the games, and then they they give up a couple, uh, you know, they're on defense and give up a couple offensive rebounds to their opponent, and just that they're backbreaking, right? Like, and that's another twenty set or you know fourteen seconds off the shot clock and, and and or at the game clock, and so that's what like the Jonas and, and Zion Tatum can do to teams together. And so I think the point here again is versatility. The Pelicans have multiple options; they can go small and sign up to five. Or if they feel like they have a strong offensive rebounding advantage, it can really use that and, and and kind of take like rip the heart out for their opponents. Why not? I just want to show this to people. Defensive, who are defensive menace Zion Williamson with a team leading defensive rating. Oh, team look at that leading graphic. defensive rating, and and you want to tell me that he's being subbed out for defensive purposes? I mean, he <laughs> is, but <laughs> look, don't a lot of people do. Look, it's, I just want to say is that sometimes our eye test doesn't reflect what is happening on the floor. And sometimes things look really good, and you're like, oh, this person's playing great. And then you look at what actually transpired. You're like, oh, I thought they looked better. Sometimes things look not so good, and you're like, wait a minute, things are better. I will say about Zion is that his defense has been the best I've seen it since he's entered the league. His engagement, his rotation – um, even the fact that he's generating steals uh, on what seems like to be a more regular basis, it's been much better. But in this specific game, in this specific matchup, even despite the fact that he was playing with Devontae Graham and really Hernan Gomez, the Pelicans' defense in those minutes was fine. It was absolutely fine. So, um, ooh, our background changed. That's kind of cool. Um, I'm going to bring it back to ours. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> even even the fact that the defense changed. Uh, what was I saying? Fuck. Whatever. My point is, he wasn't averaging points when he was out there. So those two minutes, mm, how much could Charlotte have really scored if he was out there? And how many yeah, the, the Pelicans have scored? That well, that's the right point. The bonus. That's the right point. Is that like the Pelicans were not. Zion doesn't have to be like the best defender on the team, right? The team just has to be not terrible defensively when he's out there. And that very clearly what you were showing, it's not that that defensive rating does not mean Zion was the best defender in Pelicans. We all, we, we, we know that much, but it does mean that the lineups where Zion was out there were mostly pretty decent defensively. And so like the offensive, the, the, the starting lineup as a whole had a, a defensive rating of, of 115. The one with the lineups with Zion were nine were a defensive rating of 90. That's, you know, that's a meaningful difference. And so that means like the defenses with him out there, he was never the best play defense player on the floor, but they were all good defensive lineups with him out there. The tape always lies. All right. I want to get I want I, I want to get back to your Najee Dyson uh message because you were about to go off. Or, uh, or, I wasn't about to go off. I just thought that was go a good off. Point. Where 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 here we go? What does Najee give you the team that Dyson doesn't? That's a great question. You know what? I will go off. Ben Benedict Matherin canceled his workout with the Pelicans. Canceled his workout with the Pelicans uh, in the draft process because he felt there was too many players ahead of him on the wing, and he thought viewed himself as a starter day one. Right? Ended up not mattering because the Pacers drafted him at six, and he went much higher than the Pelicans were capable of drafting him. However, and, that and man was 20, 26 against the Spurs tonight. That man was right. That man was 100% right. 
uh, that he would not have gotten those minutes because Willie Green would play fucking Devontae Graham and Najee Marshall over Benedict Matherin. And, and that dude would be glued to the bench for who knows how long. So, um, yes, I that I have gone off, and that is all I will say on the subject. Shout out to really answer is Good for you. You're on mute right now. Oh no. Oh shit. Oh, I, I literally put my headset away because I was like, oh wait, something happened here. What happened to me? But nope, that was you. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, you, you you talk while I figure this out. What'd you say? I was just <laughs> no, you're you're I can hear you now. When did you stop listening to me? Uh when I put my earbuds away. The last like 20, 20 seconds, 30 seconds. Uh, well, whatever. I was just talking about Benedict Matherin, probably. Uh, I mean, I was saying, like, you're not, I mean, you didn't really answer what I was saying before I could stop hearing you. It's like, you didn't really answer the question about the question? Uh, what does he do? Dyson. What does Dyson do? Dyson does yeah. everything better. <laughs> Dyson does everything better. That's the answer. Why Why do I need to answer that? I told you about Benedict Matherin. <laughs> Anyways, hey, that gives a 2-0. Two, anyway. two Lakers are 0 and 2 and uh, life is good. Life is <laughs> Despite good. what people might think if they're listening to us, but no, first, I mean, first home is... game opportunity to opportunity to start, start three, and zero. uh, that's huge. Can't take that for granted. Cause their, their next set of opponents after that are uh, not easy. Cause they got the Warriors, the Clippers, the Lakers, uh, the Suns, um, who else? Dallas, somewhere's in there. For- for the record, Utah just beat the Timberwolves on the road in overtime, and now they're two and zero. Or sorry, yeah. So Utah's two and zero now. They beat Denver and they beat Minnesota to start the year. So, uh, this is—I do not think this is going to be the you know Pelicans got to take this this game seriously on Sunday night. Um, Cannot take it. I mean, they they're putting up points. Like they put up points against. Uh, oh you know, wait, wait. Who was this? Was this the revenge game of anybody? It was a Jordan. It was a Jordan Clarkson game. Um, that's for sure. Um, Lori Marketing, great game. Kelly Olynyk, bro. They they shot lights out. They hit twenty threes. Twenty threes out of fifty. That and that's the thing I'm saying with the Pelicans. That that is my biggest concern with them is uh, their ability to match teams that get hot from three. Uh, and the one thing I didn't talk about is CJ only attempting six attempts. Um, Trey only attempting five attempts from three uh if i have that right that's not that much um what was the total for the game 22 they went eight for 22 um again it's one of those games where they absolutely dominated on on the paint and they didn't need to but there's going to be games where they have to embrace that and i am concerned that they won't we'll see Hopefully man, not against I, the Jazz. I'm blown away by Utah, man. This is uh this is I mean 23s, dude. 23s. 50. May oh, made 20. Yeah. Yeah, they made 23s. 
Nikhil's the Pelicans be took to get out there, the man. Pelicans took twenty two. They made twenty. That's crazy. Nikhil's just watching all these shots go up, and he's just so so sad that he can't be out there. Bro, just, just you know what's shocking. really funny is um, uh, Nikhil not getting minutes, and uh, Taylor Horton Tucker really not like him being like their like last guy in the rotation. And it's like those were two players that were like really hyped up by their respective fan bases, and just uh, buried in Utah. <laughs> Man, unfortunate. Man, any uh, any other results around the league? Surprising to you one way or the other? Nah, man. I'm good. I think we can wrap it up. All right. <laughs> I, th- I think we can wrap it up. It's a good pod. We we yeah. invented. We celebrated. We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna get grilled for for being the haters when uh when the uh Pelicans are two and out and uh and have objectively a fantastic start. I think they're probably gonna be number one in the league. To me. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> We we both went in a little bit, but like this team's going to be number one in net rating in the league. I'm pretty sure. Um, and here we I are. Don't know, Utah, Utah, Utah might be two and zero. Anyways, uh, thanks for listening, folks. I appreciate your time. Um, if you haven't heard from our sponsor, DraftKings, the NBA season is back. You put five dollars on any NBA money line bet, you win two hundred dollars in free bets. So download the DraftKings sportsbook app now and if you use our promo code which is on the screen i think b-o-o-t i can see it <laughs> and you make any five dollar bet this week and you get two hundred dollars in free bets um only on DraftKings sportsbook with the promo code b-o-o-t so i think it looks like maybe utah is a team to bet on so but i will bet on the pelicans beating them uh that's for sure if you or anyone you know has a gambling problem please use the phone number 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. Again, if you have a gambling problem, crisis and counseling services can be accessed by 1-800-GAMBLER. Shout out, DraftKings.